For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And? I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Before we move forward, let's go live to Derek at Big and Tall Outlet on Napanee Street in Elkhart. Notre Dame apparel for your undefeated Irish. Good morning, guys. This is Derek coming to you from Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart, Indiana. With Notre Dame being undefeated and them heading to the playoffs coming here in a few weeks, and with it being the Christmas season, we do have a great selection of big men's Notre Dame apparel. Got a couple different polos. These are available in sizes, I believe, about a 2X all the way up to 6X. The charcoal one here runs $49, and the navy one runs, I believe, $52. So we got green t-shirts, charcoal, navy, heather navy t-shirts. I'd like to invite you guys in, and you can also shop at bigandtalloutlet.com. A lot of these items would be available on the website. I want to thank you guys. Merry Christmas, you sports maniacs. It's the Sports Yak Podcast with Corey and Chuckles. Sports Yak is brought to you by Big and Tall Outlet on Napanee Street in Elkhart and at BigandTallOutlet.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter as well, because big guys gotta look good too. Get ready, South Bend. Here comes Elkhart. Here's what you've been waiting for. Michal Mashahaka. Whatever. Just start the show, would you please? Welcome to episode 33 of Sports Yak. Hi, my name's Corey. Chuck is out under the weather. So, but uh, luckily we have a deep bench. A deep, deep bench. Bob Nagel, great to have you back again. Great to be back. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. And here's the the great part about having access to you, Bob, is a couple of things that I, I do want to chat about. You're, you're actually there. And so we get a... Uh, a Bob's Eye View. Bird's Eye View? Bob's Eye View? Uh-huh. You like that? Yeah. I'd love to rewind, uh, first of all, back to Friday night. Great Indiana basketball rivalry. Memorial. Elkhart Central. Give me your vibe. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, give, give give me your uh, your Bird's Eye View of that game Friday night. Well, first of all, to do a game in Northside Gym is a thrill. Because it takes me back to when I was in high school. Marion won a sectional my freshman year. And I always look down and see the seats I sat in at the regional. Mm-hmm. You got to get on a cheese box, a school bus, drive over to Elkhart, and uh, you're one of 70, uh, I'm sorry, one of 64 teams left in the state of Indiana. And it was a thrill. So every time I go in Northside Gym, I get that memory. But it's a great facility, and they are going to host the semi state there this year. They got a new Jumbotron, which is kind of exciting. That looked fantastic. What I, what I really like about the game, we did Elkhart Memorial, Elkhart Central, and both schools come together. The community of Elkhart comes together. 
and they, they just really cheer on the kids and give them a great start to the season. And, uh, you know, that corporation is going to go to one high school in a couple of years and they're not going to have to introduce themselves to each other. They, they love the kids. They love the community and, uh, it's going to be great. I'm so happy for what's going on in Elkhart. I loved the attendance. Uh-huh. I mean, for a Friday night, I mean, it was just packed. I loved that I had to park a few blocks away. <laughs> it was my first time walking into that in there. And I said, where's a great place to sit? She goes, go anywhere, sit anywhere. I said, I'll head upstairs. I didn't know where you guys were. Uh-huh. And just the electricity in there before the game started. I love that the the student body showed up for both for both teams, and just it felt like the crowd was just on top of that floor. I, I, there's so many things that go into it. Obviously, we're there to cover the basketball game, but the band was fantastic. Oh, they were they were just yeah. It, oh, it was so great. The, the cheerleaders, the palm squads. Uh, there's so many young people to get involved in what it takes to put on a high school game. We were at Mishawaka a couple of weeks ago. They're playing Dwenger for a semi-state championship. And, and so many, so many kids were all in. And you think about one of the reasons that maybe kids get in a little bit of troubles are not all in to what's good. They're doing other things. Yeah. And when you give them a, a positive platform, and I think when you, you, you do something like what went on at Northside gym, it's like throwing your arms around the kids and tell them you really care about them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it, it just felt good. It was and a good game. Elkhart Central is a team with a new coach, new system. They're going to get better. They've got some good talent on the team. Memorial went to a regional final last year, returned four starters. So we expected that maybe Memorial would win, and they did. But what a fun time. It was a close game all the way into the fourth quarter. Yeah. My favorite part of the game, and I stuck around for a while, was uh, not a melee on the floor, but just that community you talk about on the floor after the game. Players mm-hmm. talking to fellow students and parents and pictures being taken. It just seemed like a cool conversation afterwards, you know? It's always a place to be for former Elkhart athletes. When Elkhart had one high school and, and there were a number of them walking around that you saw that, like when I was growing up, these guys were my heroes. Because mm-hmm. They were uh, really, really good players. And, and uh, you know, I ran into a guy, uh, Howard Edwards. Now, people in South Bend may remember Howard. He played for South Bend LaSalle in 82. He was on a team that everybody thought was maybe the best team in the state. And uh, Howard uh, graduated from LaSalle, went on to become a minister, a policeman, and now he's an assistant principal at Memorial High School. Oh, wow. And uh, this kid was, uh, the best thing you remember is he could he could jump 42 inches, vertical leap uh, for South Bend LaSalle. But what a wonderful guy and coming back and, and giving back to young people and just kind of underscoring the fact that he had a wonderful experience in high school and wanting to give that back to young kids today. Uh, it was so loud in there too. I couldn't hear a word you what and you Chuck say? were saying. <laughs> so I had to watch it the next morning just to even see if you were actually on. Yeah. Uh, so loud in there. But uh, who's up next? Who's up this Friday? We're going to be down at Culver Academy. Okay. And Culver Academy is number one in the state of Indiana in class 3A. And they won the state championship last year. They are playing host to Indianapolis Brabuff, which is number 10 in the state in class 3A. And uh, we're looking forward to getting a chance to uh, see Mark Galloway, who played at Bethel, mm-hmm. made a shot that won a national championship at Bethel. Uh, he's at uh, Culver Academy. His son, Trey, which uh, you might figure out might be the third man, member of his family with the same name. So he's Trey, but uh, excellent player. And, and it's a good team, and Brabuff is a good team. And uh, it's it's going to be good to see two ranked teams go at each other early in the season. And uh, we will have games later in the season that will involve Culver Academy. They uh, uh, play the Marion Knights. Who are, I just went and saw them uh, on uh, 
Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And they beat Fort Wayne Lures by 30 and uh, pulled most of the horses off the court in the, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jaden Ivy, Neil Ivy's son, okay, is on that team, and they've got Jerry Bracy. They've got some really uh, good kids. They got a big kid inside named Quinn, who's a, a become a real good athlete. Marion uh, is hoping to compete. Uh, maybe uh, they lost by one to Culver Academy in the semi-state uh, last year, and Culver went on to win the state. So Marion, I think that's their focus is maybe on Culver Academy. So we'll get a chance to see uh, uh, Culver Academy. Should be should be a fun time. Notre Dame women's basketball losing to UConn in South Bend, 89-71. I'll talk about pre all the way up, and then I'll let you <laughs> dissect the game. But, A, I love that it was a sold-out game. I love that, uh, you know, the team uh, tweets out, it's a green out, and everybody had green on yesterday, except for you. I saw you in a sweater vest. I did. That's but, okay, uh, though. You're remaining professional. Well, the, the trim around the ND was green. All right, uh, you're off the hook. Yeah, the barely. lights go out green lights everywhere i love the highlight video because i've heard you actually call those games that i heard the audio for you know the national championship and a couple of the other times and then uh we're underway what in the world happened well a couple of things uh it hasn't been that long since connecticut lost to us by one in the national semifinal which not only kept them out of the championship game but it ended an undefeated season Mm -hmm. they really thought and it reminds me a little bit of uh, 2011 when we were playing Texas A&M down in Indianapolis and everything had fallen into place and so we're going to win another national championship. It's going to be great. And some girl that never scores made a three uh, toward the end of the game and ended up uh, winning the game. And, and we felt like that was ours. We, we should have won that. I think last year they thought that was theirs. Arike Ogumbawali made a shot, heard about it, and, uh, and we won the game. Then we beat Mississippi State on a similar shot. So... Connecticut came in uh, really focused, and I, you know, I'm looking at the lineups going in. They had three returning starters, so we knew what they would do. We knew what they could do, and we kept Katie Lou Samuelson scoreless in the first half uh, with our defensive effort. But there was some girl named Williams who was a freshman, and she was Player of the Year last year in high school. Okay, and she came in, and I don't know if we weren't respecting her enough. I don't know if our game plan was a little bit too much on Katie Lou Samuelson. She lit us up for 16 in the first half, ended up with 26 points, 28 points. Her previous high was 17. She had an All-American day, and uh, and that really got them going. And yet at halftime, it was 44-41. And I felt pretty good about where we were because they had a little bit of foul trouble, yes. and they're only six deep. Now, we only played eight yesterday, and real limited minutes for uh, Abby Prohaska, uh, Michaela Vaughn, Daniel Patterson did play about 11 minutes, but we weren't overly deep either we got a couple players out with uh, injury and uh, so um, we thought they're only going to play five or six players and if we can get somebody in foul trouble they drop right down to players who haven't played haven't scored haven't done anything and at the end of the game Connecticut had three players with four fouls and that was without us going into the post coach McGraw said after the game our plan was we have Jessica Shepard and Brianna Turner who are pretty good in the post we need to pound that ball in there like every time down the floor we didn't do it. And so they had four fouls, three players with four fouls, even though we didn't execute the game plan the way we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Had we, they probably would have had maybe a player or two foul out. And, uh, and so it, uh, it became apparent uh, late in the, in the game, Marina Mabry played 39 and a half minutes. Now, previously she had only played 26. She's coming back from an injury. 
and they wanted to give her limited minutes. So she played 19 minutes in the first game and 26 in the second game. And this was only her third game back. And she was pretty well uh, uh, tired in, yeah. the, in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, you need somebody to make a big shot. We, we took some big shots. If, uh, you know, we got it down to six a couple of times. If you make a three, it's a three-point game with a couple of minutes to go. So you're still in it. And then we had uh, we came apart. And we kind of did that last year at Connecticut. Uh, we were up 10 with 7.48 to go in that game at Connecticut last year, and we lost by nine. So it was a 19-point turnaround in seven minutes. And when it came apart last year, it felt a little bit like it did yesterday. Enrique got in a little bit of a shouting match with Gino. Uh, Gino said I was talking to the officials and she thought he was talking to her and she reacted, uh, badly got an unsportsmanlike call. Uh, we had a technical earlier in the game. I mean, just things that you can't do, uh, for a couple of reasons. You're a senior. The other thing is you're a national champion. Uh, I loved what she said in one of her tweets this morning. It's back to work, back to the lab, back to the lab, right? We yeah. got work to do. And, uh, I just, I just thought that, you know, uh, Jackie Young tries to do so much, and uh, Connecticut defended well. They play well. I mean, number one, when you play Connecticut in order to beat them, you've got to be almost perfect because they don't make many mistakes. They're not allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like shots weren't falling. Yeah. It seemed like a couple of the players were just having an off day. Like, they just weren't as sharp as they usually are. Some of the referee stuff in the second half was yeah. kind of head-scratchy. There was one uh, play in particular where Katie Lou Samuelson had 13 in the second half after being held scoreless in the first half, and she uh, put up a shot at the end of the shot clock. It was a prayer. I mean, there's no way she just got the ball and like <laughs> threw it up, and Brianna went up to try to block it. Turns out Brianna got her on the arm and fouled her. The ball goes high off the backboard and banks in. So she gets a three-point play on a play, you know, and that's one of them that took us from being down, I think, seven to being down ten for the first time in the game. And you're just looking up. Just, this tide's got to turn relatively fast. And then when it didn't, uh, you know, we didn't have a player to put in there to give us a spark. Uh, we're we're missing Jordan Nixon, who started our first three games this year at point guard. And she'd be the girl that uh, could go in and give Marina Mabry a break. Yeah. Because she can run the point and do a good job there. Um She's uh, still suffering from a concussion she got against DePaul three weeks ago. And uh, she's getting better. She's going to be back soon. Uh, we lost Caitlin Gilbert, who was looking really good, giving us some good minutes. She separated her shoulder again. So she's probably out for another two, maybe three weeks. So we're hoping to get her back. She's got great feet. She's smart. She's a good defender. Um, so we're, we're a little bit limited. Uh, but our starting five is as good as anybody in the country, including Connecticut. Wouldn't mind playing them again in, in March. But uh, they were the better team yesterday. And, uh, uh, again, if, if you lost by two or three, you know, you can live with it because we still got some limitations because of injuries and things. But there's no excuses in a game like that. You lost by, you know, by 18. Mm-hmm. You got you got hammered pretty good. And uh, I got in the car and you were waiting for an interview. Did you end up getting to talk to anybody? No. 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 They kind of had that vibe. Yeah. You know, once in a while, and, and I give our coaches credit, there have been some tough losses. I remember last year we lost to Louisville by a bunch down in Louisville. And, uh, and Neil Ivey came out and did the post-game interview. I think, uh, I know we have some recruiting obligations coming up. I think people needed to, to get going yeah. after last night. And, uh, there was a lot of blue smoke in that locker room from what I hear. So, uh, you know, it's probably hard to find the door. Uh, 
but you know that's uh, one of the things that you you know we lost to Connecticut at Connecticut last year. Then we lost by thirty three to Louisville on the road. Then we lost to Louisville in the in the ACC championship game. So we weren't perfect last year, but all those things you learn from them. You get better. You make adjustments, and I think uh, I think we'll do that. I uh, you've been with the program quite a while. What will today's practice be like? What will the next game be like? You, you've, you've seen this unfold before. Yeah, I think one of the things that Muffet has done really well over the years is not to lose that trust that you have. Okay. Now she, you know, she lit them up probably pretty good in the locker room. I wasn't in there, but I, I know how that goes. And it, uh, it was probably, you know, and, and the kids would have been disappointed if she didn't. Because you should ne- you should never go and say, "Well, we got beat by eighteen, but what the heck?" Let's, you know. Yeah. But tomorrow we'll be back to practice. We'll be back to business, and with an underlying tone that you know what she was saying last week wasn't being made up. We need to work. We got to get better defensively. That's the one thing that you know. Every time you're looking to come back from a deficit, and we were down, you know, we were down seven a couple times, down by eight, and later on we get down by double digits. It's good to make shots. You also need to get stops. And we didn't get any stops of any significance. And a lot of times we ended up following them and they went to the line and they made uh, a higher percentage of free throw. That's a very good team. Uh, Gino Oriama, uh, people like to not like him, uh, but he's a, he's an excellent coach. And when back, you know, years back when we were getting hammered by 30 or 40, he kind of had an attitude that reminded me of a story that Lou Holtz used to talk about Bobby Bowden and, and that uh, you want if you don't want to get beat by 40, get better. You know, it's not on me. Yeah. It's not on me. It's on you. And uh, Lou Holtz was playing Bobby Bowden uh, when Lou was at William and Mary. And I'm going to tell you that, but William and Mary, we had far too many Marys, not enough Williams. Uh, that was Lou's line for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, he was playing Bobby Bowden, and Lou and Beth stayed with the Bowdens on their honeymoon. You know, you're a young coach. You don't have any money. You, you know. Yeah. And so they were very good friends. He's playing West Virginia where Bobby Bowden was the head coach. And late in the game, Bowden threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter to win by 35 or something. And Lou came running across the field. Bobby, what the world are you doing? What do you mean? You're throwing touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. You got me beat by 20. You're running up the score. He said, I didn't run up the score. He said, I had a sophomore quarterback in there trying to see what he could do. He said, here's the deal, Lou. He says, I can only coach one team. If you can't stop us, that's not my fault. You know. And Lou said that was, always, that was one of the best lessons he ever learned that you're responsible for the performance of your team. And uh, so I, uh, I, I just thought that uh, had a little something to do with yesterday. But Gino has, you know, when we beat them the first time, January 15th of 2001, the year we won the national championship, first time we ever beat him, packed the Joyce Center, place was crazy. I remember it. Kelly Seaman had a broken hand, and she played with a pad on her hand. Um, and we hammered him. I mean, we beat him by 18 or something that day. And there's a picture of Matt McGraw, Muffet McGraw, myself, in a big embrace on the court in front of the Notre Dame bench. And behind us is Gino Oriema leaning on the scorer's table. And we're jumping up and down celebrating everything. And Muffet turns, oh, so sorry. I get caught up in all, and uh, she went over and shook hands with him. And he said, this is great for women's basketball that, that you beat us. Yeah. Because we need, you know, nobody wants to watch – the Yankees every year win the championship that, you know, Connecticut's won a bunch of them and uh, it was, he's, he recognized it'd be good if there was more competition. And uh, that's kind of a step that we took then going into yesterday's game. We'd won eight out of the previous 16. So we'd gone eight and eight against them. Nobody else in the country even dreams about doing that. And uh, 
we didn't look good yesterday. We got a very talented team. It's it's interesting. Uh, a couple of people after the game, oh man, they, they said, hey, if you're on the bandwagon last year when they brought the trophy home, stay on the bandwagon. These kids need your support now more than sure no, more than ever. So I think uh, I think we'll be fine. We've got uh, we've got some really good kids in the program and. And we got some young kids that are going to get better, and it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and the end of March. Uh, let's see here. Playoffs. Did, yes. they get, did they get it right? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. You know, when that popped up on the screen yesterday, and I was getting ready to leave to go out to the Joyce Center, and uh, and it popped up, and Notre Dame was number three, and I said, well, of course they are. I mean, there's only three undefeated teams. They wanted to penalize us for not being in a conference. Mm-hmm. And – I think there'll be an evolution of that. I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, and I thought Oklahoma probably deserved to get in. They lost by three to Texas on the last second field goal. Then they came back and beat Texas. Ohio State had a loss to Purdue, who turned out to be an unranked 500 team, six and six. Uh, Purdue's got some talent, and they played like poet warriors that day, and they, they beat Ohio State. And then Ohio State went to overtime against Maryland, who was a bad team. And uh, there was a problem before the season with the coach being suspended. I mean, they had a lot of issues. So when they didn't get it, it didn't surprise me. I thought, you know, everybody's making the argument about Georgia deserves, you know. But Georgia lost to LSU, and LSU's 11th in the final poll. That wasn't a bad loss. Then they lost to Alabama. It's two losses. You know, one thing about the playoff system, the way it is with four teams, you control your own destiny. If you win all your games, you'll be in the playoff. And we did. And, and they didn't, and they played a tough schedule. SEC is always tough. A uh, lot of, I mean, I think what's going to happen. This is the evolution I was talking about. Is they're going to go to eight teams for the playoff, and the reason is that way all the major five conferences, conference champion will be in, so you won't have to worry about that. And the reason behind that is money. You know, for the second straight year, the Big Ten doesn't have a team in the in the postseason tournament. Mm-hmm. That is huge, huge revenue for Mr. Delaney, who loves revenue with the Big Ten. So um, that hurts them. And so if there are eight teams and five conference champions get in, then Ohio State would be in. And then you'd have three at-large spots. Maybe Central Florida gets in. Notre Dame gets in. Um, I think it it might be, you know, in in this case, uh, Georgia didn't win the SEC championship, but now you've got a spot to put them in. So if you figure if there are eight teams this year, you get the four that got in, then the two that thought they should get in, Georgia and Ohio State, maybe you get Central Florida in there. And um, then there's room for uh, for Georgia. Or there's room for another. I mean, I think it would be really hard if you had eight teams to argue that somebody didn't get in who deserved to get in. Because then you're talking about two lost teams, and you controlled that destiny. I, I think there would be great interest in, uh, you know, the next game is the 29th of December. I think there would be great interest in a game in, say, two weeks, you know, the 16th or whatever of uh, yeah. December. You could play then. Seems I, like a long time. Yeah, and there was a lot of uh, consternation about this, and Notre Dame was always quick to point out that we don't want to take kids away from their academics. And, you know, uh, and, and I agree with that, and I think we do a great job. I know with the women's basketball team traveling with them, they're always taking their, their computers and their, and their books with them and uh, doing a lot of work on the road because you can only miss a certain amount of classes. You can only, I mean, you got to get your work done. But uh, there's only eight teams involved in a game. If you had four games set up on that, that weekend of the uh, 16th, uh, or I guess it would be the 15th, that would be Saturday. If you had four games, I think you could uh, 
live with the fact that there's uh, eight teams that are still playing football for the playoff. And then you give them another two weeks off, which most of them are on Christmas break at that time anyway. It doesn't interfere with academics. And then a week after that, you play for the national championship. And it'll be a lot of revenue for the NCAA and be a lot of revenue for each one of those schools that got into the tournament. And uh, that way you could almost, too, if you had a team, you know, the kid from uh, Alabama did a great job coming off the bench, uh, much like Brandon Wimbush did for us when, mm-hmm. we, when we needed him. And it's a great story. And let's say they didn't have a guy to come off the bench and Alabama loses, but they still get in the playoff because there's eight spots and their quarterback could be healthy by then. But I understand Teg LeVoe's actually undergone ankle surgery. So they don't even know if he'll be back for the national championship, which all of a sudden makes everything a little more even. So I don't know. Is Clemson the best team, you know, going into the final? We get to play them down in Dallas. We were down there a couple of years ago in that Shamrock Classic down there. So we're pretty familiar with Jerry Jones and his house down there. If Notre Dame wins against Clemson in Dallas, where, where's the national championship game at? I think it's in California. Oh, I think it's on the west coast might be in a rose bowl or something but mm-hmm. well know. hopefully noted or uh, purdue will have the same kind of day they had with ohio state as they do auburn yeah oh boy <laughs> that's a pretty good test yeah but i know they're pumped down there because their coach is staying coach brown was you know they being found courted. a way he was being <laughs> yeah he was being he's being courted by louisville yeah and i don't know why anybody would go to coach or take a job at louisville right now that place is in disarray mm-hmm. but um he's uh, gonna stay at purdue which i'm sure will you know, invigorate the kids, and I think they'll have a good preparation, and they'll they'll give them, they've got some talent on that team too, and I think they're moving in the right direction. Mike Bobinski, who is a Notre Dame guy, is the athletic director down there now, and uh, he's uh, committed to uh, giving his coaches the best chance to win. So uh, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be good, but uh, I think there'll be an evolution in the, in the playoffs, expanding to eight, and uh, I'm really not against it. I used to be more against it, you know, but. Um, those conference major conferences that didn't get a team in, uh, you know, Oklahoma got in from the big eight or big 12. Now they call it, but, uh, they got in and that's a big paycheck for them, but they were on the bubble with Georgia sec would have had two teams in if Georgia got in. That's a couple of paychecks. Yeah. Ohio state doesn't get in. I know that impacts the big 10. So, uh, uh I think going to eight would be probably good. Cause then you could even take a, you know, team like central florida and say okay quit complaining just because you've won 30 in a row <laughs> and they have i mean they uh they uh they beat pittsburgh who turned out to be a pretty good team uh, but i don't you know when you only play i think they played one major major uh conference team and they had a lot of other wins but they think they should be in let them in let me give you one last question and then you and i will Hobble our way over. Nice boot, by the way. <laughs> Thank over you to uh, staff meeting. Our first staff meeting with the Q&A today. Uh-huh. Did you turn your questions in last um, week? I said, why are there questions? Why <laughs> are there questions? <laughs> uh, I'm at the game yesterday. It's been a while since I've been to a women's basketball game, and I love a sold-out crowd. I'm curious, your take on the fan base is older. Yeah. Why is that, do you think? Well, uh, it, it kind of falls in the line we – We've talked about like the men's program mm-hmm. and uh you know when when digger was rolling at notre dame when he was winning 24 25 games a year and going to the tournament and all that uh, in order to have enough money to afford season tickets which were much more reasonable back then than they are now but you figure a guy you know it wasn't like a young kid it wasn't a 25 year old guy with money for the tickets it was a lot of 40 year old successful people that were in those seats yeah and so digger was there 20 years 
Well, not a lot of those guys were 60. And after that, when John McLeod came in, a lot of those guys were 70 when he left. And a lot of them weren't coming or they were sitting in their hands and there wasn't much noise because if you're 75 years old, maybe you're, you know, if you can get to the game, you're bringing your grandson with you. Yeah. And he wants to know what he's going to get from the concession stand. It was just a different dynamic. So women's basketball, when Muffet came in, she'd been here 32 years. So a lot of people got really excited because she took a team with Karen Robinson and uh, Chrissy Davis and uh, Sandy Botham, you know, some kids that were already here, but they all of a sudden, you know, they, they got very competitive and they won the conferences that they were in. And then they wound up uh, going to an NCAA tournament for the first time. Margaret Nolan was our center on that team, but we had a walk on guard point guard and uh, we didn't, we didn't do well once we got in, but we were in and it started to build. And then in 97, we go to a final four first time ever. And it really lit people up. And so there was a lot of fans uh, that were involved. And again, when they got involved, I think our fans, for the most part, a lot of the older couples almost envision our team as their girls. Yeah. Now their families have grown and gone and maybe they live in Atlanta and they live in California or whatever. And they see them on holidays or whatever, but I can go to a game at Notre Dame and watch my girls play. And after the game, they like to come down and they meet with the girls. And for years they used to bring plates of brownies and cookies and stuff like that. And so Notre Dame was told, you know, don't let the kids eat the food that we don't know where it came from. Yeah. You know? And so they used to load up a big box and take it down to the center for the homeless. And, uh, it was, it was great because we, the relationship with the, the fans and the players was really great. And it still is. And, um, it's a little, uh, different, but our, a lot of our fans have gotten older and, uh, they still love to come to the games and, you know, the handicapped parking spaces are filled up by about three in the afternoon <laughs> for a seven o'clock game. And, uh, I get people come in and say, well, I tried to get a handicap space and I couldn't get one. And, uh, uh yesterday there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth about the parking situation when we had 9,149 in the house. Yeah. Was there a hockey game yesterday too? Uh, no, there was a hockey game Saturday night. Okay. But, uh, some of the fans, cause I parked in front of the hockey arena. Yeah. Well, you know what they have every, <clears throat> every day. It's unbelievable. Compton, uh, what a, what a facility it is for our community because they have games there every day mm-hmm. and junior leagues uh i was talking to a guy the other night it was ten thirty at night and he was on his way to go play hockey at the compton in a league that he's in yeah and uh so that facility is busy all the time and uh and they do a great job and uh i, I think you you really have to uh, salute what's going on with athletics at notre dame we got a women's basketball team that was number one probably dropped to two or three this week i don't know maybe oregon will go up to number two and that's all fine doesn't mean anything till march but the uh, the hockey team is won seven in a row to be up to probably number six this week football teams number three and in the playoffs i mean things are going pretty good at our ladies university and uh, the commitment that uh, jack swerberg and the, the staff had for giving a, the best thing you can do as an athletic director i think is give your coaches an opportunity to be successful and and they're doing that so it's a it's a nice time to be a notre dame fan and it's uh, it was exciting yesterday to get the news about football yeah it was exciting to have a full house for women's basketball again we didn't play well but uh uh, when you think about what we got through in that tournament out in Vancouver, beating ninth-ranked Oregon State with, again, a limited roster. I think that was Marina's first game back, played 19 minutes. Uh, we had uh, kids who stepped up, and they'll step up again. I mean, these aren't uh, kids that uh, – I mean, we lacked the ability to make a shot yesterday and keep points of the game, but nothing wrong with the character and the ability these kids have, so they'll be, they'll be fine. And, uh, again, it would be great to see uh, our fans. Our next home game is on the 16th, I think, against Binghamton. 
and uh, see if our fans uh, will show up and throw their arms around the team like they have, and I think they will. They, uh, they love these kids. Yeah. Bob, thank you. We're not going to talk about the Bears? I wish the, the I, Bears. Oh, <laughs> wow. One, what what in the world? <laughs> hey, did you see what Aaron Rodgers got for his birthday yesterday? A new coach? <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday pal yeah probably time for mike to go oh but, uh, man we'll bears, bears 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 you know the bears are eight and four and yeah still a game and a half up in the division that was a rough game to watch you were probably out the door by the, that first pass that just went right into a giant player's hand right and, and i uh, i watched the highlights <laughs> last night and they got down and they, and they scored late you know to tie yeah and then uh what I could here's the thing that really boggles my mind watching football games. Mm-hmm. The Bears had uh, fourth down and eight on the last play of the game. Yes, and they throw a forty yard pass. Don't we just need eight? <laughs> you know, don't we just need ten? Right. And uh, and sometimes I, I understand why you throw it deep to stretch a defense uh, to make them know that you can go deep. But when it's fourth and eight, I like a nine yard pass. That's uh, and that's it for today. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> I wish you had something to say the next time we have you on the program. Well, it's great, uh, great fun. <laughs> I love what the what the the yak is doing. I hear people talking about it. The maniacs. They listen. Yeah, the maniacs. And, and we're hoping that Chuck Freebie is uh, is uh, getting better. He's got a little uh, cold going and uh, busy week coming up with the high school game, and uh, we're going to be uh, doing some Facebook stuff this week. So uh, got to get my partner back. And uh, I think it was those cookies he got at Elkhart Memorial the other night. That he did not share. Well, (laughs) on this day in 1968, after years of being in the movies for about seven years, this singer went on NBC. He sang for 50 minutes. 42% of the total television audience watched that night. Can you name that artist? What year was it? 1968. It's beginning to look a lot like. Well, that's no. a, that's a good guess, but I, I set you up before we even hit the record uh, button. I'm thinking maybe uh, maybe uh, was it Paul McCartney? No, uh, boy, you, you it was so long ago. It was 24 minutes ago. Oh, Elvis, that's right, my own Elvis person. As the snow flies. Oh, here we go. On a cold, oh, on a cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. What a great song! And his mama cries. Cause if there's one thing she don't need, it's another little hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto. There's an amazing Elvis Presley documentary. It's a new one on HBO right now. Uh, he was nervous at that special because seven years, 31 movies, it had oh, been yeah. a while. Right. And uh, he opens with an instrumental of just him just rocking and getting back into the swing of things. Oh, His percussionist was on a suitcase. I just, you know, he's one of those bright, shining stars that burns out too fast. Yep. And uh, I think about Whitney Houston, maybe the greatest voice I've ever heard. And, you know, you hear some of her songs around Christmas and uh, you, you just... Thank you, Lord, for the time we get them because it's a magnificent experience. They just uh, be nice. Wouldn't it be nice for Elvis to be still singing at age eighty? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Hey, if Mick Jagger can sell out Soldier Field next summer, Elvis could probably do it as well. I saw <laughs> I saw Johnny Mathis a year ago. Did you? Uh, eighty years old, year and a half ago. So eighty years old, and he hit every note. He was a magnificent track performer back the uh, in San Francisco NCAA qualifier. Yeah, and he's going to go to a NCAA tournament, and his dad said, 
go do the recording in New York. You make more money singing than you will running. When you said uh, track, I thought you meant he sang to a track when you saw him a year ago. Just him up there with a cassette no, player. No, no, no was, you didn't mean that. <laughs> no, he had uh, he had Jim Gandulian in the orchestra with him. That's uh, he's a magnificent talent as well. But Elvis Presley, you know, this song in the ghetto probably came out about that time. I have to do my homework on that one. Yeah, yeah. Bob Nagel, thank you. All right, yak yak. If all goes well, we'll talk to you midweek. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Sports Yak. Sports Yak is on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Sports Yak is brought to you by Big and Tall Outlet on Napanee Street in Elkhart and at BigandTallOutlet.com. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. I don't care what the neighbors say. Christmas time is Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.